This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Hey, today's going to be a good time. Let's go ahead and get into what we're talking about today as we kick off this series called Clearly. Again, here's the question we're kind of centering our conversation around today. What do we do? What do we do when our expectations are in conflict with our reality? I think we've all been there at some point in our life. I'm uh, recently the parent of a newly turned two-year-old boy. And so uh, when you kind of have a two-year-old, you find that the best thing that you can do to keep your sanity is to keep them on a schedule. So we try to keep my son on on somewhat of a schedule. And uh, part of his schedule is in the afternoon, he he goes down for a nap. So when I have uh, a day off on Friday, uh, a lot of times I'll be responsible for putting him down for his afternoon nap. And so this this one Friday was, was, was kind of just an ordinary Friday, kind of just business as usual. And so I had taken him. And the way it kind of works is you take him, you put him in his room, he cries for 10, 15 minutes, and eventually will fall asleep. And so that's what I did. I, I took him and put, in his, put him in his bedroom. Immediately he starts crying, and we're like really innovative at our home. And so he doesn't have a lock on his door for good reason. So what we do is we take a bar stool from our kitchen, and we lodge it under the door just to make sure... <laughs> Just if you have a two-year-old, you know what I'm talking about. You got to do what you got to do. And just to make sure that he can't get out or can't escape. And so he cries for about 10, 15 minutes. And so I think, okay, well, we're, but, but then at the end of 10, 15 minutes, it just gets, gets quiet. The house gets quiet. So I think, okay, business as usual, he's fallen asleep. Well, what happens is about 30 minutes later, I walk by his bedroom door and I realize he hasn't fallen asleep. I actually hear noise in there. I hear like the, cl- the, the just clanking sounds. And then uh, not just that, but I hear like his bed shaking. I hear what sounds like, uh, like the wiping of walls. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious. So I, okay, here we go. So I, I remove uh, the bar stool from underneath the door and I open the door. When I open the door, the most rancid smell I've ever smelled in my life, like just hit me square in the nose. And so immediately I'm like, oh gosh, what happened? So I realized that my two-year-old had taken a number two in his diaper, uh, but he didn't just stop there. He had taken off of his diaper and he had proceeded to paint his walls with his number two. And, and yeah, not just his walls, but I mean his carpet, I mean like the bed frame. And immediately I could think that I would be upset, but I, I was just depressed. I wanted to cry. Like I wanted my, you know, my life to be over. And the worst part is he's standing there looking at him and his hands are just filled with his mess. And he's saying, dad, dad, like, you know, like, no, like, you know, I mean, how, how do you get someone's bad job out of the carpet? You know, like, like bad job. Mike, my, my grandma taught me that term when she takes her dog out, she takes her dog out to do his bad job. That's so the other, so you guys can use that. What's it like a nicer, more polite way of saying a number two, but think about it. I mean, it's like in the cracks, it's like everywhere. So I did what every like good husband does. Like I just called for my wife. I was like, Ashley, get in here. Like <laughs> gotta figure this one out. And so she comes in, but then she's like, just calm, cool. Like everything's like, no, like no big deal. She's like, Oh my God, he did this again. I'm like, again, <laughs> What are you talking about? She's like, yeah, he's done it two other times. I'm like, two other times? And like, you never bothered to say like, hey, there might be something wrong with our son upstairs. Like he's <laughs> two other times. We've never had a conversation about it. So I get my phone and I'm like, I'm texting my mom. Like, mom, do you ever just want to cry when you're a parent? And I'm taking pictures and I'm, I'm sending them to her. I, I brought a picture. Do you guys want to see the picture? I mean... We have some yeses, some no. It's not like the really gross one. It's just like a little bit gross. 
So if you don't want to see it, close your eyes. I know over in Fresno, we have somebody at Rebecca that tends to pass out when we show gross stuff. So close your eyes, Rebecca, if you're in the room. If you don't want to see it, close your eyes. If you do want to see it, we're going to throw, up it, just throw it up real quick. Okay, so yeah, and this is just like part of, this is like, this ain't even the whole bad job. Like this is just a little bit of it, like on the, okay, you can take the picture down now. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, you know, so maybe I'm sending these pictures to my mom. And uh, ooh, why do I tell this dramatically disgusting story? Because this is a picture of what it's like when our expectations in life are in direct conflict with our reality. You see, when our expectations are in conflict with our reality, it creates something. What does it create? It creates disappointment. Because my, my son, I expected him to be asleep, but because he was not asleep, because he was doing other things. When I walked into the bedroom, what happened? I was very, very disappointed. Uh, when we talk about the idea of, of, of our reality, everybody's reality looks different. Uh, your reality to today may be a good one because life seems to be going good. Maybe your reality uh, isn't good. Maybe this morning on your way to church, something happened that you did not expect to happen. Maybe you got into an argument with your spouse. Maybe the dog got loose and you had to chase them all across the neighborhood. So when you got here, you're just kind of just like frustrated. Everybody's reality is different. Why? Because when we talk about our reality, really, what are we talking about? We're talking about our perspective. My reality is nothing more than my perspective or how I see what I see how I see what I see. And what's interesting about this idea of my expectations and my reality or my perspective, how I see what I see being in conflict with each other is, is that they're actually not. My, ex, my expectations and, and reality, they actually aren't in conflict with each other as much as it feels like it much of the time. Really, they're connected to each other. What, what am I talking about? Because my expectations shape my perspective. You see, the reason I was disappointed when I walked into my son's bedroom is because I wasn't expecting that outcome. You see, if, if I was expecting my son to be asleep and his room to be quiet and kind of like a peaceful environment, and when I walked into his bedroom, it was exactly what I expected, I wouldn't have been disappointed. Why? Because it's what I was expecting. It is my expectations that actually shape how I see what I see. I mean, have you ever been in your life in a position where the thing you were once excited about became the very thing that discouraged you? Have you ever been in a situation that the one thing that, man, you were just expecting and excited about at some point in your life, it ended up being the thing that discouraged you? Maybe it's, it's marriage. Maybe you lived your whole life. Man, when I just get married, I'm going to be, be so excited. We're just going to spend all day, every day, just staring into each, other, each other's eyes and just, just loving on each other. And we're never going to fight. Like, it's never going to be like that. But what happened, you get, you get married and you have to work through things. Right? You have disagreement. You don't see eye to eye on everything. And what happens? It becomes a source of discouragement for you. you your, your perception is, I am discouraged. Why am I discouraged? Because this isn't what I was expecting. Maybe it, maybe it was a new job for you. Man, when I get that job, man, I'm just going to, I'll feel like I have a ride. This is just like my dream job, except I didn't expect all of my coworkers to be so hard to work with. And I didn't expect to have to put in so many hours and actually have to be away from my family. I was expecting it to look a different way. And because it doesn't look like I expected it to look, I find myself, my perspective has been shaped. And now how I see what I see, I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. Maybe for you, it's this, this, this graduation idea, getting a child to graduate. Can't wait to get them graduating out of the house. But now that they're graduating out of the house and they want to move and they doesn't seem like they really need you anymore, you're discouraged. Why? Because 
I didn't know it was going to be like this. Maybe you're someone that just wanted a lot of free time, and I just had more free time to work on my passions or my hobbies. Maybe as a Christian, I'd have more time to pray or to, to have you know, these devotional acts that I want to implement into my, into my life, and then I get all this free time, and I don't use it appropriately. Now I'm bored, and man, why? Because I didn't expect it to look like this. This is the idea of what happens when our expectations are one thing, and we find ourselves disappointed because it doesn't look like I expected it to look. It's funny because we all kind of have an instinctual reaction when it comes to disappointment. Here's, here's my, my, my instinctual reaction. My instinctual reaction to disappointment is to adjust my perspective. I immediately, when I'm disappointed or when, when my reality is this isn't the life that I want or desire, I immediately try to change my reality. This is what I did in the situation with my son, right? I'm standing there in the bedroom and I immediately call my wife. What, I, what am I wanting her to come and to do? Exactly what she did. Tell me it's not as bad as I think it is. This is what she did. She, she came in and she said, oh, this has happened before. What does that do? It reshapes my perspective. Okay, maybe this room isn't going to, to be lost forever. If you cleaned it up before, I guess you can clean it up again. <laughs> you know, like this is... <laughs> shaping my perspective, right? Why do, why do I text my mom? I'm texting my mom because I, I'm looking for some sort of encouragement. Don't worry, son, I've been there. Like, it's not the end of the world. This is what I'm looking for. You do this. This is why you showed up to church today. You showed up to church today because some of you, most of you, most all of us are looking for encouragement in some area of our lives. Tell me that my life isn't as bad as I think it is. Tell me that there's hope. Tell me that God cares. Tell me that there's a better life than the one that I'm living in. Even for those of you who don't have faith in God, that don't have faith in Christ, you, you, you do this. This is instinct. This is why you pick up the phone when you've had a bad day at work and you feel like life is over. This is why you pick up the phone to complain to a friend. You pick up your phone to complain to a friend, and I just don't know if I can keep doing this. Why? Because you want them to tell you, no, you can, be, you can keep doing it. You know, I've been through that too. We don't call people so that they can tell us, yeah, you're right. It's a hopeless cause. I don't know you're ever going get, to get out of that one, Right? No, the reason we call other people, the reason we complain about the situations that we're in is because we're desperate. We're trying to shape our perspective. We're trying to change our reality. I'm trying to change how I see what I see. And this is the thing. We focus on this part of the equation so much of the time, and we never take time to consider the other part. We talked about it's our expectations that actually form our perspectives. And so here's kind of the idea. When I try to adjust my perspective without ever evaluating my expectations, I'll live much of my life in emotional distress. When I try to adjust my perspective, how I see what I see, without ever evaluating my expectations, I'll live much of my life in emotional distress. You may be here today. Why? Because you're constantly trying, man, this situation isn't what I wanted, so I, try to, I just got to try to change. got to see it a different way. You got to call somebody, and somebody's got to tell me, man, this situation, and there's this constant emotional tug-of-war in our minds. Do we have a responsibility to challenge our perspective? Yeah. But if we never take time to evaluate, to adjust our expectation, we're missing a big part of the equation. Why? Because before I had a perspective, I had an expectation. Before I was disappointed in my son, I had an expectation that he would be sound asleep. Here's the deal. What we have the tendency to do, rather than uh, adjust our expectations, what do we do? We lower them. This is the human tendency. Rather than adjust my expectation, I will just lower my expectation. 
Maybe you've known somebody who's, who's done this. Maybe, you, maybe you've done this. Like when you're like, you're like, girl, like when I was 16, like since I was 16 years old, I've always had on paper 20 things, the perfect guy, what he was going to be like. Well, what are they? You know, like he's blonde hair, blue eyes, like, like really nice physique. He's got, he's got abs. Maybe you're a guy, you're like, he's, you know, he's got, she's got all the curves, like all these physical things. But, but what happened is time began to go on. Well, that person never showed up. Right? So I'm disappointed. Well, I'm tired of being disappointed. So you know what? I've always loved, you know, blondes, but, but hey, redheads need love too, you know? So like, <laughs> love all the redheads in here, right? So, so redheads need love. So, so what do I do? I'm just kind of bring my expectation. And it's like, you know what? I don't, you hear this, right? Like, I don't, I don't care about looks. For me, it's about personality, right? Like, for me, I, I mean, it's not about, you know, I'm not that shallow. I, I really care. Like, if they're caring or, or loving, even if they just, they just had a job, like, that's what I'm really... You know, I'm, that's what I'm really, really looking for. And then you get a place. Well, I'll, I'll just take anybody. If anybody wants to, you know, be with me, I just, I just want love, right? And then, and then you get more and more. Just so you continue to load, you know. And I'm just, I think I'm just supposed to be single. Like I'm good on my own. I don't need nobody. I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. Like I'm all good, just like me, right? And so, rather than adjust our expectations, we lower our expectations. Maybe you're somebody who always desired to start your own business. You went to college, you got a degree, you had lots of student loans, maybe you got behind on your student loans and so it damaged your credit. So when you went to go uh, you know, get a loan to be able to start your business, no one would approve you. And so time and time again, it happened and you were disappointed because it didn't meet up with your expectation. You found yourself discouraged. So rather than adjust your expectation, what you did is maybe you lowered it. Maybe you thought, well, I still got time. I guess I can still try and get into a career and have decent retirement. Here's, here's, here's the problem. When you lower your expectations, you will always get less out of life. What's the problem with that? You know, it's funny. The reason we adjust that we fight so hard to adjust our perspective, how we see what I see, the reason we call our friends and complain or come to church like this is because we want more out of life. Not one time have we tried to reframe our perspective because we're trying to get less out of life. Yet when we lower our expectations, instead of evaluating and adjusting them, we will always get less out of life, people would say stuff like this. Yeah, but I feel happier, more content when I lower my expectations. Really what you're saying is this. I feel happier and more content when I just don't care anymore. Maybe you, you, you've said this in relationships, right? Maybe in, in, in a marriage or in a friendship. I'm just not, you know, I'm just not even going to care anymore because if I don't care anymore, then they can't hurt me. What am I doing? I'm lowering my expectation. Of course you feel this way. Why? Because where there's no expectation... There's no room for disappointment. So a lot of us, what we do is we think, well, if I don't want to be disappointed, then I'm just not going to have expectation. But every time I do that, I will always get less out of life. And that's not the life that you desire. You do not desire a life of less. Remember this, the lower your expectations go, the less fulfillment you'll have in the future. In fact, write this down. The lower your expectations go, the less fulfillment you'll have in life in the future. Why? Because it's not the life you wanted. What is it? It's the life you settled for. It's not the life you wanted. It's the life you settled for. So then what should my expectations look like? My expectations should reflect the life that I desire. If you're someone here today that doesn't have faith in God, you have to decide for yourself what is the life that you desire, and you have to figure out how you're going to get there. For us, 
who have established, we believe that, that, I, that I'm not just a human occupying a, system, a space in a system. I believe that I'm an eternal being, that I'm a spirit. We've acknowledged our need for God and our desire, our, our dependency upon Christ. We, we know what our expectations should look like. We know what the life that we should desire should look like. In John 10.10, 10, it says this. In fact, this is actually the reason Jesus said he came to earth. This is why Jesus came and sacrificed his life for all of humanity. It says this, the thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and destroy. He says this, but I came that they may have, here's what your expectations should look like, that they may have and enjoy life and have that life in abundance to the full till it overflows. What is that? It's a fulfilled life. It's the sense that my life is lacking nothing, not perfect. But it's the sense of, man, even though situations are not perfect in my life, everything is good. I feel fulfilled. Another translation says it like this, a better life than you've ever dreamed of. This is the life that God has promised up. This is what our expectations should look like. My expectation should look like I desire a fulfilled life, the life that I was created for. So here's the deal. We don't need to lower our expectations what we need to do is adjust them. So before we go today, I want to talk about three things that we can do to adjust our expectations. Three things we can do to adjust our expectations. Let's start with this. Here's number one. Number one, I have to own where I'm at. If I want to adjust my expectations in a healthy way, I got to own where I'm at. Why? Because you can never, you can never have the life that you desire until you own where you're at in the life that you have. You can never have the life that you desire until you own where you're at in the life that you have. You have to have a starting point. How do I do that? I have to acknowledge where I'm at without explanation or excuses. And this is sometimes the hardest part because we think it's about the husband that left us or it's the bad business deal that destroyed our financial situation or the kid that, that man, just seems to be disappointing us and, man, we didn't, we didn't teach him this way. We, we think that it's about that. No, where are you at? I'm disappointed, I'm discouraged, I'm hurt, I'm bitter, I'm offended. I feel hopeless, I'm broken. Where are you at? If you want to adjust your expectations, you have to start with where you're at. You have to declare where you're at. Isn't it interesting that even when we come to God, like one of the first things that we do is we acknowledge our dependency for God. We'll say things when we pray to God, like God, forgive me of my sins. We'll, We'll say things like, God, I am a sinner, why do we do that? I mean, doesn't God already know that we're sinners? Doesn't God already know? If, I mean, if we believe that, that really he sees everything and is creator and knows everything, doesn't he already know? Yeah, but we know there's power in declaring where I'm at. If I want God's best in my life, I have to first start by declaring my dependency and need for him. I have to own and acknowledge where I'm at. Why? Because ignoring Ignoring who you are will always keep you from the person you want to become. Ignoring who you are will always keep you from the person you want to become. So you got to be real with yourself. you got to be willing to be real with yourself, even when it hurts. And where you've been deflecting and trying to point blame, you just got to say, you know what? Yep, I'm bitter. I'm hurt. I'm offended. I'm wounded. Acknowledge where you're at. Second thing we got to do is this. we got to own where we want to be. I have to own where I want to be. After I own where, I at, where, where I'm at, I have to decide to, to own where it is that I'm going. Where do I want to be? 
For us as, 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 as believers, again, Christians, we, we just read what that should look like, a fulfilled life. What does a fulfilled look like? Fulfilled life look like? What is where I want to be look like? It looks like physical health, health in, in my physical body, in my physical well-being. It looks like relational health, healthy relationships, sounds rela- sound relationships where there's not constant turmoil. It looks like financial health, stability in my finances. That's part of a fulfilled life. It looks like soul health, health in my soul, which is my mind, the way that I think, my desires, my emotions, my feelings. Why is it important that I own where I want to be? Because owning what I want, it gives boundaries to the decisions that I will make. Owning where I want to go, it gives boundaries to the decisions that I want to make. You know this. Any great Olympian or person that becomes something great, uh, they, 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 what do they declare? They declare, okay, I, I decide I want to be a, you know, a world-class Olympian. What, what does that do? Now they're going to have to make decisions in life whenever other people are eating different things or going out and doing different things. I can't do that. Why? Because I'm, I'm working on something. I know where I want to be. Owning what I want gives boundaries to the decisions that I will make. So the first thing I do is I own where I'm at adjust my expectations. The second thing I do is I own where I want to be. Now, the third thing, the third thing most of us would assume would be what? Make a plan of how I'm going to get there, right? If I know where I'm at and I know where I want to be, then I just need to decide how I'm going to get there. And I think this is the, the, the greatest destroyer of healthy expectations. Why? Because we've tried our way, haven't we? I mean, how is your way working for you? If it's anything like my way, I mean, when I try to, to, to accomplish a fulfilled life, and maybe I just focus on my relationships, it seems like the more that I get one area of my life to kind of come together, the other area of my life falls apart. I have to come to a place where I don't actually have confidence in my ability to get me there. So number three is not actually chart a, a path or a course. Why? Because that would be my way. And I know my way doesn't work. I have to acknowledge the fact that that my way hasn't worked. That's why I show up to church. I'm here to consider a different way. So if number one is to own where I'm at, two is own where I want to be, number three would be this, disown how I think you have to get there. Disown how I think you have to get there. What am I saying? I have to detach myself from how I think it has to happen. I set my expectations on what the fulfilled life that God has promised, promised me. How am I going to get there? I, I don't know because I'm, I'm letting go of my idea because this is what's caused great disappointment in my life before. I think I want to be there and I make a plan. And when my plan doesn't work and my plan doesn't get me there, I become discouraged and disappointed. So I'm going to let go of my idea of how it should look. What am I saying? I'm going to have to trust God. I'm going to have to let go of my idea of how it should look. I'm going to set my expectation of where I want to be, the place called a fulfilled life. And then, God, I'm going to trust you to get me there. But how? Right? I mean, isn't that really what we want to know as human beings? How? How am I going to get there? And the only answer I have for you is the answer that God gives to us. It's kind of just littered throughout Scripture. And it's this, this idea, how am I going to get there? I'm going to get there a step at a time. I'm not going to have A, B, C, D, E. No, no, no. I'm just going to get there one step at a time. Why? Because this is how everything works in faith. This is how everything works in spirituality. This is how God has laid it out. Everything in the Bible is what? Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here or there, here a little, there a little. What are we talking about? We're talking about steps. The Bible says things like this in the book of Psalms. Uh, It says, be excited because the steps of those who have faith in Christ those steps are actually directed by God. 
It says, it says other things uh, in the scripture. It says something like this, that, that a man's heart plans his way or where he wants to be. But it's God that directs his steps. What am I talking about? The key to having a fulfilled life is trusting God a step at a time. The key to having healthy expectations in your life and not being disappointed and having your reality match up with the thing that you were expecting is by trusting God a step at a time. Why? Because when it comes to your expectations, this is what you find out. It's really not about the destination when you do it God's way. It's really about the journey. What am I talking about? I don't have to get to the land of my expectation to be fulfilled. Why? How would that make sense? Because the Bible says this. It says that the path in Proverbs, the path or the or the journey, not the destination, the path or the journey of the righteous, those who have faith in God and Christ, it gets brighter and brighter. What does that mean? It means, I, here, here's, here's the picture. I set, I, I own where I'm at and I set where I want to be, this place called a fulfilled life that God has, has promised me. How am I going to get there? I'm just going to take a step. God, I'm going to trust you in this step. Boom, I take a step and I'm going to trust you. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm okay with it. I'm just going to trust you. And what happens? I experienced fulfillment here. Why? Because fulfillment in life is not about my destination. It's about my journey. It's about a step. I can find fulfillment in every single step that I take. Why? Because the path, the journey of the righteous is what gets brighter and brighter or more and more fulfilled. And then I take another step. And here, whoa, I'm more fulfilled here when I was there. And I thought that was the most fulfilled that I can ever be. Why? Because the path of the righteous or those who have faith in Christ, it gets brighter and brighter. And so with every step of trust, every step of faith. What am I doing? I'm experiencing the very thing that I really desire, that that I'm really expecting. Minus what? Minus my confidence and my ability to get me there. The path, the journey, the journey of the righteous. Your journey gets brighter and brighter. When you're able to own where you're at, man, I feel bitter wounded, to own where I want to be, but I desire to fill life. I don't want to be wounded. I don't want to be bitter. God, will you help me get there? Okay. How are we going to get there? Just take a step. I'm going to take a step. Wow. Wow. It's, it's better. Feel more fulfilled. Take another step. Another step. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know it could be this good. The path, the righteous, gets brighter and brighter. Am I still going to have to adjust my perspective, how I see what I see? Yeah, because I'm human, right? We have this selfish nature. We're always going to want what we want when we want it. But here's what happens. When my expectations are anchored in God, adjusting my perspective gets a whole lot easier. Why? Because I wake into this idea that just because it doesn't look like I want it to look doesn't mean nothing is happening. When my expectations are no longer on me, but on God, it's easier to adjust my perspective. Why? Because just because it doesn't look like I want it to look, hey, it doesn't mean that nothing is happening. What am I talking about? You know, in the Bible, there's lots of uh, agricultural references. You, you, you'll hear even when you come to church, uh, we'll use them a lot. And it kind of pertains to us living in uh, the Central Valley. But we'll say things, you know, that pertain to, to farming. Like we'll talk about seed and time, harvest. We'll use terms like this. We'll talk about sowing seed to, to meet the need. We'll, we'll say things like this about harvest that 
promise people that their harvest season is coming. We'll say things like that. We'll say things like, in fact, it's not coming. We believe that your harvest season is here. And we get really, really excited about that, don't we? Why do we get excited about that? Because when we think of harvest, we think, man, of of bounty. We think of, of the life that we desire. We think of a fulfilled life. We think of harvest means blessings. We think harvest means that everything in my life that I thought was negative and it looked one way and I hated it, all of a sudden that situation turns around and it looks a different way. That's what we think harvest is. And while harvest is a great time of, of, of bounty and blessing and, and, and turn around and increase, while it, while it is that, you know what it starts with? A lot of work. Harvest season, if you talk to a farmer, it's a lot of work. It's actually the hardest time of the year. They spend more time out in the field. They're more tired. Their body feels like it's falling apart because they have to work extra hard. Their family misses them more than they ever have. Their fingers are bloody, yet it's the greatest time of increase. What am I saying? Maybe the situation that you feel like is your demise, maybe what you feel is like your rock bottom, where it feels like your life is falling apart. What if it isn't really what you think it is? What if you're really in your harvest season? What if the time that you feel, man, I'm just wounded and I'm broken. What if it's actually the time of your greatest increase? What if you're not losing like you're losing? What if your life is actually better than you think it is, but you're being moved by your perspective, by your perception, how you see what you see, because it wasn't what you expected. It looks different than you thought, right? What do I do when my expectations feel like they're in conflict with my reality? Is this not the position that the disciples of Jesus found themselves in. Jesus comes to earth and he finds these guys. They end up being his disciples and and, and they're fishermen. They have careers. And what he's telling them is, hey, I want you to lay down your career. And if you lay down your career and you follow me, what we're going to do is we're going to change the world. And so that's what these guys do. And year after year, they travel the world and you see great, incredible healings and and great, incredible miracles. People that are starving are fed by just a few pieces of of bread and a few fish. And it's it's like mind blowing. Wow, look what we're doing. We're changing the world. And at some point in that journey, they find themselves in a situation they weren't expecting. Because the man, the only man that they had ever trusted was now in a position where he was being beaten. Where they were literally ripping his beard out of his face. And they could do nothing about it. They couldn't come to his rescue. I thought we were going to change the world. It wasn't supposed to look like this. We trusted you. You are our leader. And, and now, now this, this isn't, this isn't changing the world. And then Jesus goes on to be murdered and they begin to fall apart. They begin cursing his name. They begin telling people, I I never even knew him. Why? Because it didn't look like they expected it to look. And yet in the moment of their, their, their greatest demise, their greatest desperation, they thought it was over. But even when they thought Jesus was dead, Jesus was working on something. Jesus was in hell, taking away the power of death, hell, and the grave. Why? So that 2,000 years later, broken people like you and me who do not deserve relationship with God, so that we can have relationship with God again, not based upon our works, not based upon our performance, but based upon how good our God is. What if the situation that you think is dead and hopeless and broken, what if God is working on something? What if the marriage that you thought was over, what if it's not over? What if it's going to come back from the dead and it's going to change the world? What if God's going to use your story to impact other lives over and over again? What am I saying? Just because it doesn't look like you think it should look doesn't mean nothing is happening. Be encouraged today. God is working on something. It's not over. It's not over. 
it's not over. Don't be moved by the details. Don't be moved. Yeah, but it's, I didn't expect it. Yeah, but we don't see the bigger picture. So God says, my, my thoughts, you, you guys don't get it. My thoughts are like way higher than your thoughts. My, my thoughts are way higher than your ways. The other day I was, I was with my brother-in-law. We're standing right between this window. My two-year-old, he, he, he walks by and he walks outside into the parking lot. And so he's, he's outside in the parking lot. And me and my brother-in-law are standing there. We're watching him. My two-year-old just walks around all big and bad like, hey, look what he's doing. He's just like standing there. He sits down on the curb. And uh, I sit there and I, and I look at my brother. And I said, isn't it funny? He thinks he's all alone. But yet, if something were to happen, here I am. A lot of times we think that we see the bigger picture. We think that we're alone. You're not alone. You've got a God staring through the looking glass. He's watching you. You're not alone. He's working on something. In the book of 2 Timothy, I want to wrap up our time together. It says this. I love this because this is Paul. And, and, and Paul is a great picture of us. He's somebody who was imperfect. He, I mean, he used to persecute Christians, killed them, eventually had this had this uh, radical conversion, writes much of the, the Bible that we read. He says this at the end of his life. At the end of his life, he says this. He says, I have fought a good fight. What does that mean? I, I didn't give up. Even when situations were hard, when they were difficult, I didn't give up. He said, I, I finished my course. What does that mean? I, you know what? I finished my course. I just kept taking next steps and I kept trusting God. And he wraps it up by saying, I've kept the faith. I never lost sight of my expectation. Here's my challenge to each and every one of us today. That we would fight a good fight when it comes to our life. Right? We wouldn't give up. We wouldn't be moved by our situation. Things that, man, I just don't get it. I don't understand. I know. It sucks. It's hard. It's difficult. It doesn't change any of that. But there wouldn't be people that give up, that we would endure. That we would, we would finish our course God, even when I don't get it, I'm just going to keep trusting you. Even when it doesn't look like I want it to look, and I hate it, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep trusting you. Why? Because I've tried my way. That's where I'm at. What other option do I have? I know my way doesn't work. It leaves me more broken. It leaves me more frustrated. It leaves me more hurt. It leaves me more wounded. It doesn't give me the life that I want. I have no other option but to trust God. And lastly, that we would keep the faith, never lose sight of our expectation, that the life that Jesus came so that we would have, that we could have, that we will endure, that we'll keep our eyes set on the prize, that Jesus, you came so that I can have a filled life, and I'm not going to lose sight of that. I'm going to hold on to it so that we can be, that you can have the life that really God has made you to have, but ultimately it's the life that you desire. Let's pray today. God, today we thank you for an opportunity to look into your word to consider your thoughts, your ideas in a way that we've never considered them before. God, it, it, at the end of this conversation, we really just ask for your help. Would you help us to see things like we haven't seen them before, maybe more clearly? Would you, would you answer questions that we have in our hearts that, even, man, we're struggling to answer for ourselves when it comes to our kids, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to, to, to our business ventures and our finance? God, we we're human and we need your help. We ask that you would help us to identify where we're at, to, to set our eyes on where it is that, that we want to be, and that you would help us. God, that you would help us to trust you. It's our desire. It really is. 
Even though, God, our actions may not show it, our, our heart, our, our desire, our desire is your best for us in our lives. Help us to have it today. For every, every person, God, that's, that's hurting or wounded today, that you would help them leave that place as they acknowledge that they're there. For every person that's broken because they lost a, a loved one this last week, I pray that you would bring healing to their heart. They feel like their life is over because how could I get past this situation? For the person that lost a child this last week, or it feels like they've lost a child because their child, the expectations they had for their kid, God, are so, so far from where they're at right now. I pray for healing, God, in their heart and in their minds that you would do what only you can do. We look to you to not be moved by our situations, but to trust in our big God. In Jesus' name. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.